everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Health Conscious. Um, this week, I'm excited to say we have two special guests. The first guest is Ed Marks. He's the current director of Enterprise Analytics at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And the second guest is Suppin Shaw. He's one of our classmates, and he also does blogging for the show. Yeah, I think it's a really great conversation about working in a performance improvement environment at a hospital and how he took his consulting approach to the hospital and changed the way that they look at performance improvement. And with that, uh, let's go off with this interview. Yeah, sounds great. Who come into healthcare and uh, what kind of led you into your current role right now at Vanderbilt? Yeah, so um, I was I was working in a consulting firm, and I had done a number of different projects across number of different industries and functions, and it was about time to be promoted to a manager, and, and they were really kind of, you know, suggesting with my background in engineering and all that I would be a good fit for their materials and their manufacturing process. And right before they were about to promote me, I said, listen, I love it, but I'd like to try one more thing, and then if that doesn't work out, I'm, I'm all in on manufacturing. And I chose, I said, I want to try healthcare. And so I went, the person, and I mean, this is a little bit of luck, the person whose office next to me ran healthcare for the whole company. And I went and talked to him, and you know, within five minutes, he came back into my office. He said, all right, you're going to go here on Monday. You're going to be working in this hospital, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I went there on Monday, and I sat down, and the very first person we interviewed was a, was a heart transplant surgeon. And he was explaining all this stuff to me, and, and sitting next to me was a physician. And I was sitting there thinking, I, you know, I have no idea what he's talking about. And finally, the surgeon stopped. He looked at me. He said, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? And I looked at him and I said, I, I, I honestly, I don't. And he kind of laughed and they said, don't worry, the guy next to you doesn't either. And then he, he drew, he was very kind. He drew off the heart and he explained what he was doing. He got a model off his desk. And I was intrigued from that moment on. I was like, this is awesome. And so I, uh, I, I said, I didn't want to be embarrassed next week talking to, to other physicians. So I went to the local library and I found a, a textbook on physiology and anatomy. And so for the next week, we were doing, I think it was orthopedics, and I read, read everything I could about orthopedics over the weekend so that by the time I showed up the next week, I, I could at least have conversations with physicians. And that continued for the rest of the eight weeks of the study as I would always read up before, and I just started, you know, absorbing all the knowledge um, to the point that one of the physicians on my team finally was like, listen, you, you, you know enough, right? You, you, need to, you need to not worry about as much anymore. And... Uh, from that point on, I just said, nope, I'm in healthcare, and I, I told the team uh, who I've been working with before, you know, no, I'm, I'm definitely all in on healthcare, and that got me started, and I, I absolutely love it. I love the, I love the mission of healthcare, uh, which is, you know, really to help keep people healthy, and then when they are not healthy, to be able to get them back um, to being well as soon as possible, um, and, and that just really, you know, that, that really kind of led me to do this um, a little more than, you know, trying to look to how to improve finances or help a company make more money. Healthcare really, you know, did it for me, should I say. Yeah, absolutely. I think healthcare is uh, certainly a unique industry. And uh, kind of kind of put pressing on that, what did you think specifically about Vanderbilt, you know, 
did you think they were doing right, or do you think really attracted uh, you to them afterwards? You know, Vanderbilt has a fantastic uh, reputation. Uh, you know, they do they do incredible work. And when I got a, a phone call, um, at the time I, I was still working in the consulting firm, and I got a phone call about a, a possible position. And, you know, at first it was kind of like, I'm, I'm really not interested at this time. And then they started explaining a little bit about the position and then telling me it was for Vanderbilt. And I thought, well, you know, this, this is definitely worth investigating to find out. Um, and so I came down and did a, a one-day just kind of interview and I met with four of the top people at the medical center who were all still there. And during that interview, each one of them was more impressive than the next. And when they finished, I was like, that is a team that I need to work with. And, and that really sold me. Um, so, I mean, Vanderbilt was awesome. Vanderbilt does fantastic work. And, and I could, you know, do all that research and, and understand that. But it was really once I got down and interviewed with the team and understood who the team was, uh, that's what really got me excited and said, yes, this is a place that I want to work. And then I, you know, pursued it ever from that point on and, and ended up with the role and, and couldn't be happier. After you left consulting and went to Vanderbilt, what, what kind of was the, uh, the driver that made you make that decision? Yeah, well, it was, it was a couple things. It was both, uh, both personally and professionally. Uh, I would say there were two aspects to it. Uh, personally, just after a while, the, the, you know, the consulting lifestyle of having to travel all the time um, started to get a, a little bit rough. One day I noticed that I had a meeting on Tuesday at 9 a.m. And in order to make that meeting, I had to leave Monday at 11 a.m. and start my trek. And it was two flights and uh, almost a three-hour drive. And then I got there late at night Monday. We did the meeting. And then it was all in reverse. And by the time I got home, it was just past midnight on Tuesday going into Wednesday. And I was looking at myself thinking, I just spent two whole days for a one-hour meeting. Um, and, and that just started to drain on me, um, personally. And then professionally, I really liked the work that I was doing, but one of the things with consulting is you go and you advise people and, and, and you, you give them, you know, some, some great advice. And, and I don't want to discount consulting because I think what they do is really important. Um, but at the same time, you then move on, move on, move on. And what I really wanted to do is, is kind of be at a place, um, it's kind of midpoint between manufacturing and consulting where we give advice, but then we, we stay and we live with it and we, we work through kind of the, the ideas of, of the outcome of our analytics. So we say, here's what's going to, you know, here's what's likely to happen. And then we help them by, you know, sometimes we build dashboards, but we don't just build the dashboard of leave. We stay with them. And then as they have questions, we continue to work with them. And, and some of our partnerships here have been for years where we're working on a project and it's just ongoing and it shifts phases and, and, and we just keep working with them. And, and to me, that's, that's really what I like to do. Uh, I came up in manufacturing. I, I started off my career making diapers and, and it was really fun seeing all these raw materials go in and, and, and boxes come out at the end that, that consumers could use. Um, and I feel like that's a little bit more being in the healthcare system. Um, Plus, the other thing was, is I was giving a, a, a lot of advice, and I never really had worked uh, at a hospital. And it, it was really interesting to come to the medical center and be able to see firsthand 
all the different parts uh, of, of the healthcare system and how they all function together. And that was something, you know, in my first six months was, was really almost overload of just taking all this information in. And even being here over seven years now, there's still things. I just, yesterday, someone sent me a note on, on a very specific thing for billing. And I was like, huh, I never knew that before. And I learned something new yesterday. So it continues to this point, and, and I'm really enjoying that. Could you talk a little bit about the differences between kind of working in your consulting group and kind of the challenges that are faced at a hospital like Vanderbilt and your process improvement arm? Sure. So the the team, my, my team here uh, at Vanderbilt, we're, we're an analytics team, so we're the enterprise analytics team. And a couple of people have, have commented that we're, we're somewhat like a, a consulting group. And, and to be honest, that, that was a little bit around my thinking when I built the team up, um, is that we're, we're dedicated consultants. So, so we work for, for specific uh, customers here. But our job is to come in and help them. Um, and it's similar to a consultant really think about and frame their problem. Um, so we're not just people who run out as an analytics shop and get data. Uh, instead, what we do is we partner with our with our, the people we're working with. And when they come and they say, you know, here's my problem, we help them understand what their problem is and really frame how the data could be able to be used to solve that problem. And once we work with them and we understand how it works, you know, what we're able to do then is then uh, we, we, we design what the end output might like for them, might look like for them. And then from there, we go and gather the data that is able to, to help them make some sort of decision. And so it's, it's, in that aspect, it's very much like consulting. Um, the, the challenges uh, of consultants is, is oftentimes consultants are paid and they have a very short window of time in which to work. And you, know, you don't always have the resources available at the time that the consultants are here, right? Because people here and, and at every hospital and, and are very busy, right? And so if you have a consulting engagement that's six weeks, right? You have six weeks and the consultants are here, we're ready to go. Um, but, you know, the rest of the hospital staff has their full-time job as well as this. Uh, and so by being here, one of the things that I've seen is that we're able to, in, in, instead of having this right, really tight engagement where everyone has to come together at the exact same time, uh, for a really short period of time. Yes, that happens every now and then, but mostly we're able to do a longer-term project that's lower touch, right? And, and we'll work on it over time at the speed at which our, our customers are able to, you know, move forward and progress. And, and that's one of the things that I really like here is that everyone can have multiple projects they're working on. We're not all just focused on one project um, for a short period of time. Uh, we have these projects that, like I said, the one of them has, has lasted over, it, it keeps changing exactly what we're doing, but it's lasted over years now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely feel with you that the team does an incredible job of uh, really providing a robust sort of analytics and problem-solving process that I really haven't seen in a lot of places. So, uh, kind of along those lines, what do you think are some of the most exciting projects or initiatives the team is kind of taking on at Vanderbilt? So I would say that there's a, you know, we, we have three three different groups uh, within our department. We have our strategic analytics group. We have our operations analytics group, which works with the hospitals, clinics, and some of our, our departments. And then we have our population health. 
analytics team. You know, when I think of the population health analytics team, I think one of the most exciting things we're working on really is around the idea of the ACOs. And so Vanderbilt has the Vanderbilt Health Affiliated Network, uh, which is a network of hospitals uh, across the state of Tennessee and some of the surrounding states as well. And with that network, we actually participate in, um, the network does in four different accountable care organizations. So there are four ACOs that are in Western Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, East Tennessee, and then Mississippi has one as well. And, and what we're really doing there is, is starting to make the change from the fee-for-service world to the, to the value-based world. And, and we're doing it through this participation. And, and one of the things in, in, in order to be able to do that, right, analytics are really important so that people can understand uh, where, is their, where are they spending uh, their, their cost, where are their gaps in care, how can they close those gaps because you know, as we know, providing higher quality reduces the cost. So as we as we close those gaps in care and, and we're able to identify and help people do that, right, we're going to be driving the cost of health care down. And then we also have, you know, using data to look for where are we having unnecessary costs, cost that is not providing any value in the system, and how can we eliminate that, that, that low value slash no value cost. Um, and, and, you know, analytics is at the forefront there because everyone's asking us, you know, for more data, more data, more data, so that they can make these decisions and make these changes. And, and to me, that, that, that's awesome, right? And that is one of the things that I, I think, you know, we, we're, we've been doing a, a, a fantastic job on. And, and as we provide more data, right, it just brings up more questions, which, you know, has created this circle for us. So I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm really excited. We're, you know, we're kind of in year one right now. So everyone's still, you know, it's still in the ramp up phase, if you will. Um, and, and we're growing and we're continuing to learn. And that, to me, is, is extremely exciting because that's where I see the future of healthcare going. And so we'll be able to take these learnings and, and kind of plow them back into other areas of the, of the medical center, both here and across the entire network. So with all of these kind of projects going on, how do you go about triaging the projects and prioritizing them? <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, when I came here, there was actually a, a group that, that worked, um, and they were centrally sponsored. And what would happen is they would take the requests in from different uh, areas across, the, uh, across Vanderbilt. And, you know, if you think about it just in terms of cost, right, anyone could put a request in. So requests are effectively free. And as we know from healthcare, if you make something free, right, what, hap- what tends to happen is people oversubscribe, right? And so by having these free requests, what happened was is we got so many requests that you never could be working these off. Um, and so then there was a, you know, a group of people who would come together to try to prioritize. And, and what would happen is we would prioritize, but, you know, because we weren't the front lines, we might not always get them all right. And the other thing is, you know, if you think about operations, operations will, will, might have a question that needs to be answered. Well, you have this backlog of, of projects that's going to take, you know, if you did them all almost a year, by the time you finally get around to doing it and you gave it to the operations team, the operations team is not waiting a year, let alone, you know, four to five months for your answer. So by the time this group would turn it around, you know, sometimes it would be useful, but sometimes, you know, it, the data would be stale or the operations team had made a decision and moved on, right? And so 
one of the things that we did as we thought about rebuilding this was how, how do you balance that? And what our team did is we came up with a, a little bit of a unique funding structure, which is the people that we hire are our are, are analytics consultants for us. Um, that's their title. Um, and we, they're in our department. We train, we do the hiring, we do the training, we, we monitor them, we give the, you know, the QA as far as when whatever they're producing, we make sure is right. Um, but the, our, our clients, our customers, if you will, they actually, they hire them and they pay the bills for them. So what we do is, is for population health, they came to us and they said, all right, we need to form these four ACOs. We're going to need analytics support. And what we did is we talked about it. And we said, all right, we're going to need about one analyst per ACO. So they needed to provide a budget for four analysts. And, and so, therefore, my team doesn't actually own the budget. The budget is owned by each of the operators. And because of that, what we do is, is we say, you as the operator, set the priorities for them, right? You have a person assigned to you. It's not, a, it's not this a ethereal one FTE. It is an actual person, right? It is like something you're assigned to them. And then what happens is, is we now allow the operators to work with the um, analytics team to f- form their priorities. Right? And they have, you know, one, uh, one FTE, in the case of the ACOs, four, and, you know, in, in different numbers. And they sit down and they say, all right, here are the most important things to work on. And if the analyst comes back and says, well, that's five, and I really only have capacity for three things, then it's up to the operations to set the priority. Right? And what that does is that takes us out of the priority setting game and lets the priority be set by the people who understand the priorities the best. Right? And and that was a it, it was a change to the way we did thinking. But as, as far as you know, the past few years that we've been doing it, it's it's worked very well. Um, because whenever there is a conflict amongst the teams, right, around what the priorities are, we might when we, we like I said we support the uh, the adult hospital and clinics, we would go to the CEO and COO of the hospital and clinics and say, here are all the projects, which ones are the priorities, and we could help have them help us figure out amongst all theirs, right? Because they support so many FTEs. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and sorry about you. I gave a shout out to Suppin, who worked at Vanderbilt this summer with you. Um, Suppin, would you be able to talk about a little bit um, about the projects that you were working on? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what the team does really well with is helping the intern really adjust to the atmosphere. You know, while working uh, with Ed and team, it was an incredible experience in terms of getting to work with real clients, operational leaders, and physicians on solving what I thought were some really pressing issues. Uh, One of the projects that I worked on was actually for the PM&R service line. Um, You know, we were really looking to assess kind of the extent to which a problem was uh, kind of occurring and they really needed help kind of quantifying and understanding how they could resolve processes around uh, a particular issue and so was able to work hand in hand with uh, the PM&R service line director and uh, quite a few clinic managers to really understand their process and then uh, understand kind of where the analytics and the data could help support some of their uh, intuition and insights. So it was a great experience overall and uh, really loved uh, my 
experience there with Ed and team. So thank you guys. Um, and then kind of along those lines as well, you know, as a graduate student, I kind of tend to think that, uh, you know, we have our uh, career path and we have all our insights kind of lined up already. But, you know, Ed, I'm kind of also curious, like as you were, I know you did your MBA. So what were some things like that your graduate program or your graduate degree really helped you prepare for coming into a full-time role or vice versa didn't help you uh, kind of prepare for? And uh, what would you kind of suggest as we kind of are still in grad school and have our last year to think about these kinds of stuff? Yes. Well, um, well first of all, Saf, and I, I want to start off by saying uh, we really enjoyed having you this summer. You, you were you were terrific. Um, we, we really enjoyed working with you and, and was honored for you to ask me to be part of this podcast. So uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, as far as grad school goes, you know, one of the one of the interesting things, you know, and, and the comparison uh, for me, at least, was, you know, my undergrad was engineering where you were, you know, every class you were learning formulas and how to apply them. And, and there's very specific right or wrong answers. Um, to, to problems, right? Either the building's going to stand or it's not, or the chemical process is going to work or it's not. Um, but when you, my, my, my graduate degree is an MBA, right? There, there's not a lot of times right or wrong answers uh, to things. There are, we, we, you know, where I went, we did case studies. And so almost every class was taught by a case study. And, and there's not right or wrong answers to business problems. I mean, there are, there are some answers that are more wrong or more right than others, but there is no, you know, just one answer, right? There are multiple ways that you can do things. Um, and so what I thought was interesting about the, the MBA class was with the case studies, every class was a, was a, was a uh, ability for you to sit in the role of that leader with all the information at hand and think about how would you have approached that problem, right? Mm -hmm. And the very famous one that we did that everyone kind of, a, a lot of people kind of do is, is the whole Tylenol poisoning case, right? And thinking back around, okay, I'm the CEO, what decision am I gonna make, right? And, and, and in some cases like that, you know what the outcome is, but in a lot of other cases, you don't. And, and the, the, the idea is what should I do? Right. And and a lot of times there are no clear cut, you know, clear cut answers. Um, and, and what I thought was really neat about business school was we would sit in these classrooms with with 90 other people um, and each of us would have our own perspective. And I would think about here's how I would approach the problem. And then I would hear a classmate say something that would kind of totally shift my thinking and be like, hey, maybe my approach isn't the best idea. Right. And so every class I was testing myself and, and building up this idea of here's how I might react as a leader in that situation and then testing it versus my classmates and then saying, oh, wait, I might want to consider X, Y, and Z or right. There's other ways to think about this. And I really think that was the most important aspect of my career was really testing my thinking and testing my leadership and, 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 you know, honing it over those two years. Um, you know, yes, I learned things. You know, not having a business background, yes, I learned a lot more about um, financial statements than I knew. I, I knew some basics, but I, I, I learned a lot more. I learned more about accounting. Uh, one of the classes was, you know, pension accounting. I know a little bit more about that than I ever thought I would or I think I need to know. Um, but the, the idea being that there weren't as many hard skills that I learned in the MBA, but it was extremely important. 
all kind of the soft skills and critical thinking and leadership. And, and that's really what I would, I would, you know, my takeaway for you all would be that's really what I would focus on because that's really the thing that, that matters a lot. You can find a ton of people who can read, you know, balance sheets or do key accounts or, but, you know, what, what healthcare and what other areas, you know, are, are sometimes lacking is, is those critical thinkers who can take a problem, who can break it apart, who can figure out how to solve it and, and do it in a way that the people that are working for them uh, want to be led by them, right? That, that is, you know, there's other people who can do that, who can take, who they're great problem solvers, but they might not be the best leaders or they might not even be well-liked, right? But right. to be able to put all that together is, is truly unique. Um, and, and if you guys could focus on that and, and we could turn out more leaders like that, I, I really do think, um, you know, we can improve everything, especially healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And kind of looking forward, what do you see as sort of the most pressing issues in healthcare? Where do you kind of see healthcare going? Because, you know, especially with respect to analytics, we like to laud kind of uh, the approach of predictive analytics, AI, uh, natural language processing, all these different terms. But really, where do you see healthcare moving towards um, in the next, you know, five, ten years maybe? Yes, um, everything you just mentioned has its place, uh, right? There, there's going to be huge innovations is, is, the, is the ability to gather and store uh, basically unlimited amounts of data um, and, and I'll process it really quickly, right? We're, we're learning more and more about uh, genomes and how the, the genome interacts with drugs and how the genome creates disease and how we can solve it, you know, one of the, the new cancer therapies actually removes the patient's cells, sends them off to a lab. The lab modifies them um, using a, a, a genetic therapy, sends them back. You put them back in the patient, and now the patient's modified cells will actually attack and kill their cancer. <laughs> that, is that is amazing. I mean, it, it, it's really, really expensive. In, in, in some cases, it's almost half a million dollars, right? But the science and the ability to do that is just incredible, right? So I, I continue to see those, those, those breakthroughs and, and the uses um, increasing over the years. And, and that, is, that is phenomenal. It's saving lives. It's exactly what we need to do. Yeah. And so I see that happening. On the flip side, though, and, and this is, you know, especially for the United States, where the United States spends way more uh, than any other uh, country in healthcare when you look at it per person, um, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we're going to have a tension that continues to exist um, on this. And the idea is that I see is how do we eliminate all the unnecessary care, eliminate all the care that does not provide value, right? Figure out ways that we can, we can take care of people and provide better value so that we have the ability to be able to continue with these breakthroughs. Yeah, absolutely. And I know as aspiring healthcare leaders, we're looking to definitely improve the value proposition and uh, really bring change to healthcare. So really quickly, wanted to thank you for your time. We really enjoyed speaking with you, Ed.
thanks again, Ed uh, and Suppin, for being with us today on Health Conscious. Uh, it was great learning about all the processes and uh, at Vanderbilt and your experience uh, coming up through the consulting route and ending up in a hospital. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the imprint that consulting had and the way that you structure the way that you look at projects and triage projects. I think that's something that's unique among most hospitals. Yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll catch you guys next week.